Hello and welcome to the Parish Podcast of St. Anthony of Padua Catholic Church in the Woodlands, Texas. We're excited to share with you Sunday at St. Anthony's, a homily message from this past weekend that we hope you'll find enlightening. Thanks for tuning in and praying with us. Jesus took Peter, John, and James and went up the mountain to pray. While he was praying, his face changed in appearance and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were conversing with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his exodus that he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions had been overcome by sleep But becoming fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As they were about to part from from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he did not know what he was saying. While he was still speaking, a cloud came and cast a shadow over them, and they became frightened when they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my chosen son. Listen to him. After the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. They fell silent and did not at that time tell anyone what they had seen. The Gospel of the Lord. Being encouraged by God's unwavering love in the midst of his covenant made with humanity is a large part of the theme of today's readings from sacred scripture. God speaking to us today in the midst of Lent. Because remember, Lent is supposed to be a difficult time. A time when we take on things, take on crosses, and so God wants to, and the church recognizes the Lord, again, desires to speak to his people, to their hearts, to encourage them in this time. To encourage them that he is ever-present, and that he has an unwavering love for us, especially in our difficulties. Now, you might, be, you might believe that, and then you might also think, okay, well then, what was that first reading about? I don't quite get it, Father. It, too, was about his love. Here, our father in faith, as is spoken of in the Roman canon, in that Eucharistic prayer we prayed for like 1,900 years, our father Abraham, whose name means father of multitude, he's still Abram. He's trusting like God. When it seems completely irrational to trust in God, trust him. And here is drawn in through an encounter with God to surrender all of himself. Um, to God. And he's drawn into what's called a covenant. That's what that whole action is, in case we've never like heard like what's going on there. What you're seeing right there is a playing out of what an ancient covenant looks like, how it's ratified. The symbolism there is that Abram splits those animals, and he's saying basically, God tells him to go get those animals and split them, and then Abram does it, and Abram's saying like, okay, God, if I violate the covenant that you're making with me, may I be split in two. That's what's happening here. May scavengers then like eat of my remains. If I transgress this covenant, God, almighty God that you are making with me. Today we give thanks that that is not how God dealt with Abraham. That is not how God deals with us. Because so often we transgress the covenant. So often we fall short. 
either in great ways or the imperfections in love that we call venial sins. Against when we were yet enemies of God, as St. Paul is talking about today, um, when we have mortally sinned, whether it would be Adam and Eve's sin, which separated us from the love of God, or it be our own sins against the covenant, we recognize that God, true to his covenant, never failing on his part, will extend mercy to the repentant. He lights the way so that we may be saved. He is our light and our salvation. Furthermore, he made us a new people. Again, even further emphasizing what St. Paul is saying today, that we are peculiarly his own, that he has taken us, plucked us from the world so that we may be not of it, but while in it, be citizens of heaven. It is for this reason that whether candidates today who are to be, um, who are journeying, who are pilgrimaging into the fullness of the Catholic faith, or us who have professed the Catholic faith, we recognize that we, as St. Paul is saying, must continue to cast off the world, to put it away, to do away with evil things, so that we may not be like the world, who St. Paul is warning of, those people who boast in worldly things, who think like, oh, this is just fine, this is what we do nowadays. No, he's saying we cannot be like that. In fact, they will go so far, he's saying, as they would boast in their sins, in their shame. He's saying we can't be like that. We have to be utterly different if we're going to be in the fullness of the covenant with God. Those who choose the way of the world, St. Paul says, are so, they cause him tears. Because not only do they deny Christ by walking the ways of the world, but they deny even his cross. And they cast aside the crosses that God would give for their salvation. And they thus deny and reject their citizenship in heaven and reject and say they don't want any part of the heavenly homeland. Seeking to cast off evils, cast off things that keep us from home, our true heavenly homeland is what Lent is about, mortifying ourselves. Note that word, like mortician. It means to put to death when we mortify ourselves. We put to death our fleshly inclinations, our ways of the world. Why? So that all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength may be reoriented, may be refocused entirely on God to surrender to him. Now, the reality is this is hard. This is a cross. But the reality is, is that Christ says this is good for us. As so many saints have reiterated it is the way to eternal life must be through death, must be through the cross. Otherwise, we cannot have the glory that God has for us. Christ is our head, and we, the body, follow after. And so we must enter into a death like his if we are to have an eternal life like his. If we are discouraged by that, now we know why the church today and Christ gives us this mystery of the transfiguration to reflect upon, to give us hope. So that amid our toil, amid our crosses, whether they be chosen by us or they just be a part of our life, as we are in Lent, we recognize that these things, with our prayer, our fasting, other mortifications, our almsgiving, these free us when we go into them with Christ. And then with Christ in them, again, as we find that greater freedom 
we continue to follow him as we go in the promised land, as we enter into Easter and the rest of the liturgical year, and we continue our pilgrimage to the heavenly homeland. With that, we need to understand like, why the transfiguration might be a cause of our hope, might encourage us in the midst of our difficulties, our suffering, to persevere and to even embrace the cross. First, we have to recognize like, that one of the main themes that's here today is that Jesus Christ is like the new Moses. He is the fulfillment of everything that would happen in that, that great piece of Jewish history that is the Exodus. The Passover, the Exodus from Egypt, the, a covenant being ratified by God's chosen one with his people, and a pilgrimage then to the promised land are so inherently, like, give the people of God their very identity. If we don't understand it, we, the new people of God, the fulfill, like the fulfillment of Judaism, will never understand who we are and what we are called to be. We must recognize that, like, in this, like, we should see if Jesus is the new Moses, then there are going to, as he's inaugurating a new exodus, then we will see many of the things that were in the old exodus but fulfilled. We will see the one who Moses speaks of in Deuteronomy and says, when he comes, when the new Moses, the one who will be after me, who will be greater than me, and I tell you, listen to him. We should listen to him. And we should have great hope when he inaugurates, when we see these things of the new exodus. So let's quickly remind ourselves of the, the manifestation of the new revelation, or excuse me, the manifestation of the new exodus that is being revealed to us today in the transfiguration of the Son of God. The symbols here, there's, there's tons of them. We can't necessarily go through them all. And if you don't believe, are already like, wait, Father, what are you talking about? Like, just note, even in, this is one of the beauties of reading the Gospel of Luke, is it's very clear. It says that Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets, those who are the manifestations of them, are speaking to Jesus about what? His exodus. Again, so what, what, what should we be looking for if he is the new Moses? What should, what should we see? When we see something what, um, that should encourage us, when we see these things, rather, they should encourage us. And so what are we looking for? That God wanting, will want his people to engage in right worship. Remember, the entire Exodus was about them going into the desert to offer right worship. He didn't even mention anything while they were in Egypt about going to the promised land. It was first about right worship. We see that the world will reject this idea of going to worship the right God. Because of this, there's going to have to be a death of a firstborn son to safeguard the people of God from the, from the evils that could happen because of the world's rejection of what God wants to do. A sacrifice of a lamb must be there. And that blood of the lamb must be applied to the people. And following that application, they must eat of the lamb. Water too, we know in the Exodus journey, like must, is present it will be water that will set God's people free from slavery and their enemies. And this will finally give them the opportunity, separated from their enemy, to worship rightly and enter into a new covenant with God. On the mountain, God will give forth new terms for a new covenant that will be ratified again by his chosen one. The covenant will have blessings and curses, blessings for those who will follow it, curses for those who don't. And as the terms are given and preached, after that point, then right worship may be engaged in by the high priest. The sacrificial offering of the high priest 
and the right worship like is what ratifies the covenant. And having fully entered into it, again, blood must be applied from the sacrifice that is offered. The people then enter into a sacrificial meal and they eat the flesh of the sacrificial victim. And that's not all Then we know. After the right worship, after the true leisure, the rest in God, for those who still remain on the earth, they must walk. They must go in pilgrimage to the promised land. In this new exodus like that of old, like God, of course, because he is so good, because he is so loving, will sustain his people. Like the manna of old, God will do something even greater in the new covenant. Because remember, God always outdoes himself. Far greater does he do in the new than he did in the old. And so like in the old where he provides bread and flesh, he will provide in one his flesh for the life of the world. And lastly, note as they reach the promised land, and this is where I'm saying, if we don't understand this, we will never get who we are to be. Because when they cross through the waters of the Jordan into the promised land, what happens next? A ton of battling. As we walk into the promised land, as we walk towards God has for us, that's where the battle begins. Today, as we have been chosen by God in the waters of baptism, set free from the slavery of original sin, set free from our enemy, though he's still prowling around like a roaring lion, waiting for someone to devour, now in Lent we recognize we are in battle. We come into this time, into a boot camp sort of time, to prepare ourselves to live in the fullness of God and all that he would have for us in the promised land that we are participating in already, but not yet. We come recognizing that the Lamb of God has come. He has sacrificed himself. We get to participate in his sacrifice here and now. He provides for us his flesh for the life of the world, body, blood, soul, and divinity, so that we may have life in this journey, in this pilgrimage, and so too strengthened by him. In the midst of our battles, we may be victorious. This is the hope that the church gives us. This is the hope that Christ gives us in this Lenten time, in this boot camp time, in this time of battle. That we have a God who's gone before us, who showed a piece of his glory, the glory that was to be and was to be had more fully once he entered into his passion, his death, and his resurrection. So that we might have hope. Not just so that Peter, James, and John will remember this and when all things seems like it's over, he's died, where is he? They may not despair. But he gives it, and the church gives it to us too in this time of Lent, so that when we, in our penances, when they're tough, and we're in that fourth, fifth week, and we're like, I am done with this penance, I just want Lent to be over, or when we're having a difficult cross in our life, we may have hope. We may not give up. We may not lose hope. We, in our weakness, realize he can be strong, that he has overcome, that he who is within us conquers the world. It's in this time, in this, in this image of the transfiguration, that we hear again those words from the Psalms, be steadfast, wait for the Lord, hold on to him, cling to him, know that he fights for you. And he desires to empower you. And for when we repent, when we cry out, he hears, he listens, he desires to pull forth grace. Let us not be discouraged or dismayed by any difficulties in life. By any, like when the, when the penances of Lent weigh down upon us. 
Let us recognize that God has overcome the world. That God has entered into sin and death and destroyed them. That he has shined, shined light into darkness. And let us persevere. Listening to Christ. Taking up our cross and following after him. Knowing that like how Peter, James, and John must from this mountaintop come down and journey with Christ into his passion and death. As we do so, let us have hope. Knowing that there is a resurrection. Knowing that there is a, our Christ, the new Moses, and he leads us to the promised land. And he will never give it up on us. And so let us follow after him all the days of our life. Let us then continue our pilgrimage toward and into the glory of the cross and do so with great hope.